Hey everybody and welcome back to Megan's Old Office. My name is J.D. Gorlad. I'm the senior pastor here at Dundee Presbyterian Church. I'm joined again by my good friend Keith Holmes. Howdy, howdy, howdy. And uh, we've done some uh, talking and uh, we, Keith and I don't care if we ever see another turkey, piece of turkey <laughs> in our lives. Uh, we've had more than enough. I always remember that line from A Christmas Story. Turkey tetrazzini, turkey sandwiches, turkey... All of them were gone as the dogs ate the turkey. We are saying this because we realize you could be listening to this podcast whenever, but right. we are we are recording this for our... Uh, this is our December 6th episode, and just as it is with all everyone everywhere, uh, turkey, we're done. We're the done. turkeys are free. They, Thanksgiving they, they, is over. They have nothing to fear because we have no interest in them anymore <laughs> at all. Right. We're done. And now we're turning our attention, really... We've been talking about a lot of Christmas uh, characters from the Bible, individuals uh, that we know, uh, and we're going to be continuing that. Today we're going to be uh, reading, uh, Keith is going to read here in a minute from John chapter 1, and the focus today is going to be on uh, on John the Baptist. So Keith, what do you got going for us today? All right. Well, uh, as always, I want to kind of get your, get your minds going here. So the first thing I want to ask is, what is John the Baptist's job? Now, I know that's a simple question, or simply <laughs> seeming He's in question. the baptism business. Right, what are you exactly. kidding me? I think he even says so in his, in his passage here. You'll hear him say it. But I want you to really kind of consider a little more, a little more deeper, what is John the Baptist's job? Okay. Right okay. Here we go. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light, the true light which enlightens everyone who has, was coming into the world. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. 
That was John chapter 1, verses 1, or, uh, excuse me, 6 through 9, and 19 through 34. You're right. Forgot to do that at the beginning. That's all right. It's early in the morning. What can we say? (laughs) Well, uh, so there you have it. Here's John, and he he is um, quite eloquently, I think, introduced to us in the book of John. Not the same guy, by the way. John the Baptist is not the guy who wrote the book of John. Um, So what is John the Baptist's job? Well, it's you're right. John the disciple wrote this uh, wrote this gospel, not John the Baptist. And, he, and uh, where Matthew and Luke, uh, it's interesting how Matthew and Luke talk about. That's where you get the birth stories, the stories of the wise men coming, the shepherds right. and the angels, and the and the baby in the manger, and all that sort of thing. And John, John's like, yeah, no, we're going to talk about light coming in and dark overcoming darkness, and not being able to understand that. And he just dives in with all of this symbol wonderful, beautiful, powerful imagery. And then he goes right to talking and he mixes in John the Baptist in that. And it's just really, a, it's really fascinating how, as, as you read, I was thinking about, here's, it, it's like John, it's almost like John is doing the Fantasia version of the, the God, of, of the Jesus story. Do you remember Fantasia? Oh, yeah. This, and Mickey Mouse is conducting all this and there's all this color and all this strange imagery going on. But then John the Baptist emerges out of this, and he's a man, a strange guy, down by the river, down at the river, the Jordan River, and you're asking, what's John the Baptist's job? His job is to know who Jesus is. His job is to to prepare the way uh, for Jesus, and he is the prophet. Uh, He is the the last of the Old Testament prophets. That's at least what we have come to accept and and think of him as being, and uh, and to prepare the way. But in order to prepare the way, you got to know what you're talking about. You got to know who Christ is, and you got to. I'm also impressed by the fact that he knows who he himself is. He knows what he is and what he's not. And I'm always, you and I, we're always trying to get people into the the, the, the passage. And right. I think it's pretty easy here when we say that to get ourselves into the, just make the statement, John the Baptist is really good at knowing who Jesus is and therefore knowing who he himself is right. and who and what he is not. I think we're lousy at that. And so oh. that's an entry point for me. I can look at John the Baptist and I can imagine him at the at the river proclaiming, making declarations uh, about, about who Christ is, baptizing people. And yet innately, his defining feature is that he, he knows who Jesus is and, and knows who he is because of that. I'm lousy at that. That gives me something, his, the picture of him gives me something to shoot for. That's a blessing to me. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. When you, when you look at him and you see all that he is, because he's, a, uh, I mean, let's face it, he's kind of a rock star among certain people, right? I mean, oh, here yeah. he is. He shows up like Elton John in a camel hair coat. <laughs> you almost expect big sparkly glass, sunglasses. He appears out of the desert chewing on a right. locust with a bit of honey on it. Right. And and people are like, okay, I got to find out what this guy's about. And then he starts talking about the Messiah, He like an Old Testament prophet. This had been 400 years since the last prophet yeah. spoke. right. And all of a sudden, now we see this prophet right. break out onto the scene. So people are coming. So now he's, he and, and through it all, he's baptizing 
in the name of the one to come. And I really like that, that he doesn't say in my name or in the name, you know, that had to do with him. He said, this is, this is not me, but God. It's he, interesting what you say because he gets, he, he is the celebrity of his time. Yeah. He's held John. That's a fascinating <laughs> it's a, it's trip. It's a camel hair coat. Right, I mean, exactly. come on. He's got, it, 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 what is that about? So he is the celebrity of his time. People are coming from miles away to, to, to see this one lone man, strange guy, right. uh, standing hip deep in, in the river. And he becomes a celebrity. He, be, he has a certain power and draw uh, because of the message that he's proclaiming. But there's a point that has to be in there where he could have turned this. And we've seen a lot of other modern oh, preachers yeah. today uh, do this. They, they're they talking about Jesus, but really there's this subtle turn to look at me, you right. know, look at how Absolutely. great I am, look at what I'm building, and look at, you know, uh, you know cult of personality and what, right. what have you and all this kind of stuff. There's certainly constantly that uh, temptation yep. uh, or or uh, danger for John the Baptist for his ministry, his church down there at the riverbank to become all about John the Baptist with like a flashing neon right. sign and, and you know let's add to this ridiculous or, or, analogy that you've already created. Well, he's but got disciples; they're out passing out tracts, you know, exactly. in the streets of Jerusalem. Come see John the Baptist right. down by the river, right. you know, right. things After like I that. After I baptize you, get yeah. my get my album in the lobby exactly. and all this. Exactly. He never ever does that. He never nope. stop you know you make the analogy or the connection with the flashy show but it wasn't you know a camel right. hair i mean and eating locusts with honey he was living on just the bare worst necessity well, exactly and on, on nothing at all right and uh admit he he doesn't use that even though he has the opportunity to make that into something about himself he never does that thought as we come to christmas is is inspiring for me. How can I do a better job of that? Is my heart even going to be satisfied with a deal where I'm constantly pointing towards somebody else, right. something else that's greater than me? That causes me to stop, step back and ask that question. And I hope everybody would would ask that question. Would I be satisfied with a life of pointing to somebody greater than me? Absolutely. And I don't. I don't think I would be. Do, no. you, do you follow? No. What I'm oh, saying? absolutely. No. I, I my immediately I, my thought immediately was yeah. As someone could be listening to this as they write out their Christmas wish list. You know, which really is <laughs> all about focus me. is all about me. And so you know, as you sit there and you're like, oh, I would like this. I would like that. Oh yeah, I hear what they're saying here. It's really Christmas isn't about me and the gifts I get. Right. It's about the gift that God gave to the world right. and everybody else. And how am I showing that to other people? There's how am a... I doing that? How am I, like you say, pointing at someone greater than myself? And what we're talking about here, Keith, is the fine line of ministry. I know you know what I mean. I failed at this a number of times where when you're doing ministry, that's your job, to point others' attention and thoughts towards Jesus Christ. And yet, because you're in that place, you're, because you're in that role, you're up in front of people, yeah. uh, this this movement, there is always this, this uh, presence or this possibility of having it be about you. Absolutely. To keep that from happening is something that constantly you have to be attentive to. Uh, and I find that to be fascinating. Here you are intending and dedicated to doing the, the good work of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, and yet that trap is is always there. John the Just Baptist... The jaws are waiting to snap shut. Exactly. John yeah. the Baptist never never well, fails in that. So in that, in that I think 
we've kind of discussed it a little bit, but you know, when when we look at John the Baptist, what does he declare about himself to the Levites? Because here they come. The Levites now are sent from the temple, and they are like, we're going to grill this guy. Right. And and as you pointed out earlier to me, they're not there so they believe. Right. They're asking questions. Right. They're coming to to interrogate him and find out what's going on. But it but it is important for us to to note that just because you're asking questions of John the Baptist or in other cases they they grill Jesus Christ and so the, so do we and, right. and many non-believers will ask questions about well, you know, if God or if Jesus Christ why this and all that asking questions is good and that's a, a, a we we need to ask questions we we as believers constantly need to ask questions uh but these guys have absolutely no intention of they're asking questions because they have no intention of putting their faith in Christ or putting their faith in what John the Baptist is proclaiming so the questions are fine but what's underneath the questions what's the motivation for the questions right. we know that they're uh looking to get him to make declarations about himself John the Baptist that is so that they can bring accusations against him, right. get a rope around his neck, put him in pre- prison, and, and be done done with him. Right. He's making a lot of noise, bringing a lot of people out of the temple with their coins, going somewhere else right. to see to see this guy down by the river. They're not coming in like they're supposed to be doing because of this guy's upsetting the the status quo. Right. And now they're in there looking to say, okay, why is this guy doing this? Right. Can we catch him? Right. Um, because, yeah, if he were to say, I was the Messiah, I'm the Messiah, or I'm Elijah, or I'm the prophet, oh, blasphemy, right? right? I mean, let's just get the rocks out, and we're ready to stone him. And so so they're, they're there not because they want to find out about the Messiah. Although, how, how sad, right? You, here you are. These guys are steeped in the knowledge of what's going to happen, and all they're trying to do is catch a guy out. Good point. They, 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 this is their fantastic opportunity in, in the beginning, the dawning of the kingdom of God, and they're looking to prove that it's not happening. Right. And one of the things that that somebody said to me years ago that I've taken on as my own quote, uh, which I do uh, for, from time to time, is that when I became a Christian, it's really true, when I became a Christian over 30 years ago, I didn't get all the answers, but I did get better questions. Yeah. And, and so I've been asking those questions of scripture and of theology ever since, and those are really good questions. But if I don't ask the questions with the right motivations, questions of God that are fair, and I think our, God loves to see his children ask asking questions of him and, and of scripture and of who Amen. he is and his nature and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. But it, again, it's the motivation. And you nail it, nail it right on the, the, the head here. Here they are, these, these men of God, men of scripture, men of, uh, of, of the word. This is their great moment. They, should be, they are asking questions. They are, are investigating. But because their motivation is to disprove rather than, than to accept, because their motivation is to remain blind rather than to see, they can ask the best questions in the world, and it is not going to matter. They, mm-hmm. Their motivation. And so that begs the question. When I'm praying, when I'm struggling, wrestling with God, asking those questions, What's really alive in my spirit? What's at the foundation of that question? Am I motivated to remain the same, keep things under control, keep God in a box? Because then I can ask a bunch of really good questions, and it ain't going to go anywhere right. unless I'm willing to have my life, my heart <laughs> you're, expanded. You're, you're, you're willing to accept the answer that you may not want. Right. Because you ask the questions of God, you're... You, 
you that's what these guys were not willing to do. Because John the Baptist answers everything right. truthfully. I mean, it says, and he 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 confessed and he said, I am not the Messiah, I am not Elijah, I am not the right. prophet. And and they're like, Well, then who are you? And when they when he says, I am the I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, he's quoting Isaiah, and they knew it. Right. And they that must have freaked them out. Right. And what just, you know, when I read it, I get charged because Isaiah said it over 400 plus years ago. Mm-hmm. This guy said, there's going to be a guy. He's going to come out of the wilderness and he's going to point to the Messiah. And everybody was like, okay, let's find, oh, here's this weird guy come out of the wilderness. No, that can't be right. No. It's completely no. and totally consistent with our word, yep. with what the pro- what we declare, we declare Isaiah as a prophet, although while Isaiah was alive, we, we yeah. sawed him in half and, you know, yeah. uh, and threw him, threw him in the garbage. But no, we affirm his word now. Right. So here, here is this guy completely in conjunction with the word, and our first instinct is to disprove it. How are we like these guys? Oh, we are. How are we like these I'm guys? I'm like this guy, these guys way more than I want to be. Yeah. I mean, because you know, working within within the establishment of a of a church, there's certain things I think certain things I think should happen, certain ways we should behave, certain things that I've read the Bible, I know how I'm supposed to, I know how others are supposed to behave. So when some radical Christian comes in and starts, you know, stirring the pot, my immediate thought is, and, you know, heaven help me, I'm sad to say it, let's disprove this guy. Let's show this guy to be a phony. Right. And That's so much easier and more comfortable, isn't right, it? Right, exactly, and that's where it comes from. I can, if, yep. I can, if I can do that, if I can prove that you're John the Baptist and you're a phony, I can keep everything the way it is. Nothing changes Nothing for me. changes, and this is truly my religion. This is, this is you know, I claim to be something else, whether in their case it's a Pharisee or in our case it's to be a Christian. But it isn't our true religion to keep everything the same way, keep our ide- ideology the same way, and not be altered yeah. by the well, truth. That's the religion of Keith or the religion of J.D. I think it's the of, the reli- yeah. of yeah. most, most yeah. people, yeah. and exactly. that's the value. It's that's our, where we are. Are in the, that's where we are in the story, and it's interesting to me. I'm going to get into this, just kind of stated out here. Uh, it's interesting they interrogate, "Who are you? Who are you?" Right. And he does not know really who he is. Uh, he gives a pretty good answer, but they ask him if he's Elijah, and then remember later on. Uh, it, when Jesus is talking about John the Baptist in and around John the Baptist's death, Jesus confirms. That he was Elijah. Yeah, he was. We got to be careful here, not reincarnated, because right. we don't believe in reincarnation. Yep. But the, but but the uh, uh, the fulfillment of that prediction from from Scripture that Elijah would come back, uh, the 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 prophetic spirit filling that filled Elijah and all the prophets also filled John the Baptist, and that's what Jesus was really saying. That here Elijah has already come. Jesus said, and it was John the Baptist. Uh, not reincarnated, but in that uh, line of in being, the, line, of being exactly. a prophet. But John the Baptist said, "No, my, you know, I'm not, I'm not Elijah." He didn't really. He was fulfilling his role perfectly, and yet it was too large for him. It's too good for him to take in. Right. right? It's too. I f- mean, he. You see how humble he is. He's. He, he's this guy. I. His, his sand. I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals and 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 whatnot. Right. Now I want to. I want to get here because we're we're fast approaching. Oh, yeah. Our time here. It just it goes by because this is so much fun. But I really kind of want to dig into that last part. 
It's um, If you're following along at home, it's verses 29 to 34. It's the last part where John, it, it's the next day. So the Pharisees have left. He, you know, They've left him at the river. And, and here he is on the next day, and he sees Jesus walking toward him. And right. he declares... Here's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, and this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. Yeah. I mean, so let's talk a little bit about John the Baptist. How would you describe him in this last section? Yeah, um, he's with his disciples. It's the next day. He's gone through this interrogation and it stands out to me how giddy he is, you know. It, Which is not something you would think of right. John the Baptist, because when we read this, we read this with a very intense voice, because right. we think he was a very intense man. It, well, I think he was, and a strange guy. I envision this guy with a beard who hasn't bathed in literally in years, right. and he's in the river, and he's eating bugs with honey and all this kind of stuff. But he sees Jesus approaching, and that's an important part of it that you emphasize there. He sees Jesus approaching. Jesus approaches first. The action, the scene is, uh, is activated by Jesus coming into it. Well, I, and, I, and I actually also really want to dive into it, but we just never have enough time. Because in his confession to the Levites, John says, I did not know him, and yet. I d-, he says it twice, that yeah. I did not know him. The meaning the Messiah, and yet he knows him immediately when he sees him. Sorry, I just, I just, it's like I bring that to your point, which is John did not initiate the contact, right? Because he didn't even know who the Messiah was going to be. He just knew he was coming, right? Right, exactly. And in in verse twenty nine, which to me is, you could make the argument that John one twenty nine, the first chapter, verse twenty nine, mm-hmm. is the most important verse in the entire Bible. I could make that argument, and I freely would make that argument. There's others, John three sixteen, and in many others that right. are they're more, more obvious but, than this. But, but yeah, but think about how important this is. And you ask, how do you describe John here? I describe him as giddy with enthusiasm about this moment. And it starts with Jesus approaching, and then John, surrounded by people, perhaps in the midst of baptizing a guy like you. Right. You know, you're still under under the water, (laughs) and there's bubbles coming up out of the Jordan River. And uh, hello, could you pull me up before you make your declaration? Waving a hand out of but the water. John the John the Baptist is so excited to see Jesus. Excitement, right? Do we as a church? Do we as as leaders? Do we as Christians have this kind of enthusiasm? And for what? What's his enthusiasm? Well, we find that out, you know, immediately. He points to Jesus and says, "Here is the Lamb of God who takes the sin." Singular, not plural. Sin takes away the sin of the world. Here we have, this is why I feel like this is the most important verse in the entire Bible. Here we have the whole gospel. Here we have the whole point of the Bible. The Lamb of God, Mm -hmm. the Passover Lamb of God, tying in the Old Testament. Here he is, and his purpose is to take away the condition, the destructive death-producing condition of the world, the sin of the world, the unavoidable death-producing condition of the world. And, and John the Baptist is like, this is awesome. Look, he's right there. He is right there. 
This is the job of Dundee Presbyterian Church. This is the job of Keith Holmes, of J.D. Gorlett, of anybody who claims to be a Christian, to point and say, not just to point at Jesus, but to do it with enthusiasm, with energy, as if it's the most important thing in the world. And he does that. And, uh, and, and I have to wonder how well I do that. Do, do I have that enthusiasm? Yeah. But do I always have that enthusiasm? Yeah, not yeah. as much. This to John clearly, if you look, at, uh, if you look at verse twenty nine, is the most important thing in the entire world happening right there on the banks of the Jordan River, and he does not miss his chance to express that. And and he makes no pretension about being important in that moment. I mean, because it's here he is, like you said, he's a celebrity. He, he to certain ones, he's he's baptizing, he's doing all this. He's been questioned by the authorities. People are starting to see him, and 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 they're saying, "Wow!" And yet he just completely ignores the fact that he is that person, and he says, "Look over there, look over there at the Lamb of God." And it's hard for me. I think we talked about that. It's hard for me to let go of my ego and myself and not make it about me, but make it about Christ, make it about the Messiah. Right. And, and, do, it, and then to be excited about it right. because I, we all have ego. We all have that need to be the center of somebody's attention. Right. Maybe not, you know, I'm, I'm vast quantities of people. I'm an extrovert that loves the attention of many, many people, but my wife's an introvert. And, and so she would be one that would be like, no, you just focus on me as a single person. And I'm, I'm content because right. I'm the center of, of your attention, one or two people. Right. And that, but, but so yeah, introverts, sorry, you're, you're stuck. You can't say, Oh, he's an extrovert and he just loves to be in front of people. No, even one or two when they're a crowd. So it's really interesting to me to see him be able to say, look over there, look over there. Don't look at me anymore because I'm not worthy. Because I'm, I'm, I, I tell you now, I feel like I'm very worthy. And sometimes it's just my ego getting in the way. It's the, as you talk in it, with this scripture, I think about uh, all of us making a list of the five or ten things that most excite us in life, mm-hmm. that we're most interested in, that right. really... Uh, that really, you know, get us gigged up and excited. And what would those things be? And every Christian, if you had five things or ten things, would say, well, Jesus Christ is, is one of the five or ten things in my life that really excite me. Is it number one? Is it really number one? Yeah. John the Baptist, it's number one, and there really isn't anything else in the list. Right. The idea of the Messiah, the mission of the Messiah... The, the Lamb of God taking away the sin, changing the, the, the paradigm of humanity forever, for Ever. eternity, yep. is the most exciting thing, so much so that nothing else, you know, his interest in his favorite baseball team does not compare to, <laughs> or a football team does right? not compare to this guy and to what he's called in, in what he will succeed in doing. And that causes me to wonder, yes, is Jesus on my list of favorite things, of things that really excite me? Absolutely. Is he number one? And is the gap between number one and number two as huge as this? No way. No. I'm really excited about Jesus, but, you know, there are other things. And the other things always have to do with me. Right, right. And my reflection. My, my, original, you know? my original thought when you asked was like, vacation. 
I get vacation right. be very excited and, and going away and not doing anything I'm supposed to be to do but or have to do, but do what I want to do. People who who think really highly of themselves, they don't have any use for this. That's true. They, they're just not going to have any use for this at all. This is just this this is going to be to require too much alteration for them to be able to handle this. And I think of pastors and I think of churches, and I don't want to reach out and just and just say, well, our church is, and I'm a better pastor and Dundee's a better church than this, that, or the other. Because I think, you know, I'm certainly susceptible and guilty of failing in this regard and all this kind of stuff. But there are forms of Christianity in the in the world um, that are not enthusiastic about Christ you know the Lamb of God taking the sin away, right. sin of God, uh, sin of the world, taking away the sin of the world. Pardon me. They're more about excited about their own kind of existence, their own way of doing things. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have pride in uh, how we look and what success we have as far as the building that we've built or the worship team that we put together or the form that we have or right. the systems that we have in how place. How many books I've written and sold. Exactly. How many books, how many people are coming, all this kind of stuff. The true mark, the mark of true Christianity is this complete wild enthusiasm for this one person, Jesus Christ, amazing. You know, so that's what that's what we see here, and that's what really stands out to me. That's yeah, I think you've nailed it again, right on the head here. Just are we, as a church, as a person, pointing toward Christ? Right. And I think if if any of us can walk away doing a better job of that today, then I think. We got to win. Got one in the W amen, column. Amen. Well, and we're warming up for. Uh, let's face it. Here comes. Uh, here comes Christmas. Yep. And so uh, that this is a great question for all of us. Is is the weeks unwind here and we approach Jesus? Are we really uh, prioritizing this baby that's going to be born in Bethlehem? Mm-hmm. Uh, this has been uh, Megan's old office. This is our December sixth episode, and we really enjoyed having you with us. Uh, Keep looking for us out there uh, for more episodes to, to come your way because uh, they will. I was going to say probably one next Friday. <laughs> How about that? We got to go back to work. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Megan's Old Office. Brought to you by Dundee Presbyterian Church. Please like, subscribe, and share so you and your friends can keep up with us every time we post. You can learn more about us and our church at dpcomaha.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash dpcomaha or on Instagram at Megan's Old Office. You can contact us through email at megansoldoffice at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening today. We truly appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.